Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about spray tank cleanout. We're also going to spend some time in the Ag PhD mailbag answering your questions. If you've got any questions for us, you can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. So we are broadcasting from the Morton studio, and I, I guess I just want to tell you with the spray tank clean-out thing, this is tremendously important. It's one of the little things, though, that... Don't get me wrong, I understand we're all busy, especially at this time of year. A lot of people, like around here, are going crazy because it's a chance of rain this weekend, like a really good chance, and everybody wants to get as many acres planted and sprayed leading up to that, so I get it. But if you don't clean that sprayer out, you could damage a lot of crop moving forward. And there are really a couple of main points, I guess, I've got to, to kick the show off. First is always clean your sprayer out right away it's just like if you have let's say well at your house you have supper and if you clean the dishes immediately they're a lot easier to clean if you let them sit overnight by the next morning everything is crusted on there and it's really hard to scrape off it's the same thing in your sprayer and worse yet what can end up happening with your sprayer let's say it's poly instead of stainless steel well if you've got a poly tank there are pores in that poly and product can seep down in there. So we've had it several times where a guy will call us up and he'll go, I got some issue. It looks like there was something bad with my chemical. And we're trying to figure out what's going on. And he's like, well, the first three loads I sprayed were all fine, but this fourth one, something happened. And I mean, now my, my, my crop is all cupped up. And so we dig into it a little bit more. And what happens most of the time is product had sat in that sprayer a lot of times overnight, but at least for a few hours. And so let's just take the example of Roundup. Roundup's actually a real good tank cleaner. So what can happen is, let's say you had some dicamba you'd sprayed even last fall. Sat in the tank a little while, got into the pores of the tank. Well, now you let Roundup sit in that tank overnight and it can suck some of that dicamba out, and all of a sudden, you've got a little bit of dicamba onto your crop. We've seen that just countless times. And it really comes back to, number one, you got to clean whatever it is out of your sprayer right away. But number two, use an appropriate tank cleaner. And the I'd say the best <laughs> cleaning methods. And so by the best cleaning methods, I mean everybody's going to talk to you about triple rinse. Yep. For sure. Use a tank cleaner. Use the right tank cleaner. Yes. And there are different ones. So we talk sometimes at our workshops about that here on Ag PhD Radio about which tank cleaner you should use for different products. But uh, we put some charts out about that in the past, too. Otherwise, you can find a lot of that information uh, from the companies, sometimes even on the label or MSDS. But I just say this. All those things are nice. But you, you got to use the right procedures overall. So, for example, we have a lot of people that, oh, I cleaned my, my spray tank out. Well, did you get the nozzles? Well, how about the boom? Well, 
How about the end of the boom? <laughs> Did you take off the caps at the end of the boom and flush it out that way? Well, no. And so a lot of times we find stuff is stuck in those different places, and that also can be a problem. And you might say, well, it it just doesn't amount to much. No, it doesn't. But I give I go back to that example I brought up of dicamba. Okay, so if there's a tiny trace of dicamba, soybeans are the most sensitive plant in the world to dicamba, and then all of a sudden your beans cup and you're losing your mind. Well, most of the time that little cupping from dicamba isn't going to hurt yield anyway. But still, uh, it just doesn't look good and it doesn't make you comfortable at all. So we want to try to avoid those situations and it all comes back to this spray tank cleanup. So anyway, we'll talk about that throughout the show today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, get this one that came in uh, from Illinois and said, uh, I was told by a retailer that spraying three ounces of Callisto with low temperatures will absolutely bleach spiking corn, and I shouldn't do it. And wondering if there's any merit to that claim, and also, would Banvel be a better option anyway? Okay, so first of all, if cold temperatures were that big a problem, then nobody in the northern United States would use it. I think about all the guys up in North Dakota. I think we're cold all the time. Well, obviously, they're more cold than us. But there's still all kinds of Callisto that gets used throughout our region. So, no, I'm not worried about the cold thing. I will say this, though. A lot of this is rate dependent. So just even this spring, Darren and I were talking about we wanted to... Uh, well, this was me. I wanted to use a little more Callisto. We had some to use up. Okay, we got some on the farm. We got too much for this year. And I said, you know what? Let's just go with a little higher rate. We're going to do a thousand acres of corn on corn again next year. So on those fields, what's wrong with going four ounces? And Darren's like, well, hey, wait a second here. Don't you remember when we've bumped the rate before, we actually have turned stuff a little bit white. Not that we know for sure there was yield loss on our corn, but it didn't look the best. So, no, we want to try to avoid that by keeping the rate down to a, a normal standard rate. And then the other issue is, um, you know, when you talk about cold, I, I, is it going to make a lot of difference? No. But I'll tell you what will make a difference when it's cold, weed control overall. We don't like spraying when the nighttime temperature is below 50 degrees. You can, but products like dicamba especially, they don't work very well when the nighttime temp's below 50. They just don't. So you're ahead to wait, let the weather warm up. I don't know what you have for weeds, so I don't know whether to tell you, oh, dicamba's better or let's say it's an HPPD, I'm not sure. So you just have to tell us what weeds you have. But quite frankly, if it's me, I'm probably using the HPPD and not even worrying about it. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of things going on out there in fields. If you've got an agronomic question, you can email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this to talk about spray tank cleanout. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. 
Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop side dress. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about a very important job. I would call this a $100 an hour job or more. Spray tank clean out. If you don't get your spray tank cleaned out well, it will cost you. And it could be embarrassing too, because think about it. If you've got something in your tank that's not supposed to be there or in your boom that's not supposed to be there, where is it going to show up? Uh, Brian was driving down the road, I think last summer that he took this picture and there was right along the edge of the road was right where somebody had started spraying and they didn't get things cleaned out and it looked bad. And I bet that person got a hard time from his neighbors for a long time. So don't let that happen to you. We want to, we want to clean that tank out well, and we'll give you some tips today. Let's start out with Nick flights with Pentair to talk about this. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing good. It's a uh, you know, beautiful, perfect spray day here in Kentucky, actually. Sunny, warm, no wind. So uh, hopefully everyone's uh, around here, at least, is getting a lot of work done today. Awesome. Yeah, we were getting some spraying done today, too. And I, I was actually talking to, to one of our guys on the farm about this of, okay, what were you spraying? What are you spraying next? And what's the tank clean-out process in between? So I know, like you say, when we get hot and heavy here into spray season, you're going to have to clean that tank out a number of times when switching from one crop to the next or from one product to the next. So what are what are the best ways to go about that? Well, the first thing I'll say, you know, we all – we use the term spray tank clean out all the time. It's kind of an all encompassing term, but it's really more than just the tank, right? When you think about the sprayer, uh, with the chemical eductor, if you're using it, or if you're, uh, doing hot loads and you've got the, um, the onloading, uh, port there on the side of the sprayer, some on the front, the, the plumbing going out to the boom, the nozzle bodies, all that. It's really the full liquid system, you know, the sprayer. We really have to be concerned about, uh, you know, different periods that, uh, you know, if you just focus on that tank, that there's so much plumbing on these sprayers uh, where things can get uh, can get trapped, get caught up, 
and it uh, you know it can be easy to forget about some of those those areas at times. Um, you know, you mentioned it being a hundred dollar an hour job, and I, I kind of like you bringing that up and saying that because it is a it is a very important you know part of the spraying job. Uh, you know, that can be overlooked, and but it's one we don't really nobody really likes cleaning the sprayers. So you know, one thing to do is really look at ways you can help speed that process up. You know, are there any practices? Or are there any products out there that can help reduce the amount of time and the amount of effort uh, involved in a sprayer cleanout process? And, and there are, you know, there's spray, uh, there's products you can get um, that help neutralize uh, residues in there, liquid products you can put in tank cleaners, things like that that I would encourage folks to look into. They can really help break down some of those, uh, some of these products and get them out, neutralize them. Some other things from the, you know, the actual equipment side, though, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, from like Pentair High Pro, they express end cap, they express flush valve that um, goes at the end of your spray boom plumbing, the pipe there. Uh, it takes away that dead end space a lot of sprayers have after the last nozzle body. Um, there's a quarter turn, quarter turn stainless steel ball valve there at the end. So you don't have to take anything off the end of your boom plumbing there to open flush. And, you know, really when you think about trying to clean things out, being able to evacuate things quickly not only helps you clean better, but it's going to save a lot of time. And so there's a there's a natural constriction point with the nozzle body and the nozzles. If you're trying to flush everything out through a nozzle body, it's going to be a lot slower. You're really going to be limited to, you know, two to three gallons per minute through them. If you can open up the end of your boom pipe, you can flush out at 10 to 12 gallons per minute and really blow things out quickly and easily uh, to reduce that town downtime and get you back spraying sooner. Yeah, I, I like that thought. Find ways you can speed things up, uh, products that can help you along the way. Find things that make it less effort and less work. You talk about Express End Cap. What a difference did that make? Because uh, we had a new sprayer that we were going to demo one year, and this is probably five, six years ago. And we were going to be the first farm that was going to demo it. And we were excited about that because we thought, great, it will be clean <laughs> when we get it. No, we ended up being the second farm to demo this. And there's already atrazine all plugging up at the end cap. It, I couldn't believe how much stuff was in there. We we even show some of that on Ag PhD TV because it's like, wow, this is textbook. And it only took one application from one person to do that. Yeah, you know, for this time of year, atrazine, uh, your yellow herbicides, uh, any of your drought flowables, wettable powders, all that stuff are big culprits in getting trapped there at the end of the boom. There's just that debt. If you've got space past the last nozzle body on a boom pipe, things are going to build up there. They're going to get stuck. And so if you're not opening up that end periodically, I guarantee you there's a lot of residue built up there. And then later season, you know, we're not quite there yet, but when you get to your oxen herbicides, your dicambas, um, even list in that, you know, later on, that's also going to be really important to be able to clean things out thoroughly uh, to prevent any issues like you were talking about earlier. And, uh, you know, you mentioned seeing it from the road. Without a doubt, those, those mistakes always occur in highly visible areas. They never occur on the backside <laughs> of the Murphy's area where they're hidden. <laughs> 
No, that's for sure. Well, uh, we're talking with Nick Flights here with Pentair, and and certainly check out a few of those innovations that Nick talked about with Express NCAP, Express Flush Valve, but there are more. Uh, getting that sprayer cleaned out very well. The entire liquid system of the sprayer is really important. Nick, thank you so much. Always appreciate having you on. Yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, and then we get cut off right at the end. We got Greg Kruger up next, though, with Rosens. How you doing, Greg? Good. How's it going? Well, good. We thought about just giving you the whole show, just knowing your background a little bit, <laughs> that you could probably teach us all a lot of things here about uh, application uh, equipment and, and cleaning it out. But what are some of the more common things that you see, and then what are some of the tools out there that growers should be using to, to do a great job cleaning? Sure. Uh, I mean, you and uh, Nick, and Nick were talking about it just a minute ago, but uh, you know uh, where it shows up uh, and, and how good of a job you, you do can can really play a role in terms of how well you you you, you plan and and how you place things. But as I think about tank cleaning, uh, timing is one that we overlook. Uh, so. If we can get to those sprayers quickly, uh, the longer those the uh, chemicals set in the hoses when we're done with the spray job, uh, uh, the more they're going to pull into the hoses, the tanks, things like that, as they sit there baking the sun. And that's one of them that doesn't get talked about a lot. Let's get it. Get, let's get in there and get that thing cleaned up right away when we're done, instead of putting that off uh, a few days, a few hours, uh, uh, even a, a few weeks. Uh, uh, nothing worse than pulling a sprayer out of the shop at the beginning of the year and having to start with cleaning. So if we get that done right away, uh, before those chemicals kind of pull into uh, the tanks and hoses, that's a, that's always a good thing. Um, one of the other ones that we always talk about that I, I think folks lose uh, uh, track of is uh, it's, it's toxicology 101, right? The, it's that the solution to pollution is dilution. Uh, and we try to get in there and we, we try to use 10 gallons to clean out a thousand gallon tank uh, and, and we're just not putting enough water in there to dilute down the chemistries that we're using. So uh, a lot of good uh, good managers will recommend 10% of the tank volume. Uh, I know that becomes a lot to, to try to dispose of, but uh, uh, adding that extra water can be a big deal in terms of those applications. Um, and then uh, uh, maybe one of the most important ones is just making sure that uh, you're, you're using good uh, uh, procedures. Uh, you got a good standard procedure that you use every time. Uh, uh, I like to see a tank cleaner go in on that second uh, rinse. Uh, that get that first rinse and get as much of it out as we can. That second rinse, put a, a good tank cleaner, a Rosa's tank cleaner, or any of those other good ones out there in the market uh, uh, will really help. And then as we think about the, the, that third rinse, uh, make sure that we go ahead and take time for that third rinse because Again, the, the more we get into that tank and, 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 and rinse it and dilute it down, the better off we're going to be in the long run. You know, that's a great, great point there. I think about just all the jobs that I do, and when I've got a routine of, okay, we're going to change oil, here's what the routine is going to be. You don't get to the end and say, oh, no, I forgot about the filter. <laughs> you, you know what you're doing because you do it the same way every time. So that is a great point, and I think for some of these things, too, if you're the primary operator and you say, well, this is a job I'm going to pass on to my son or daughter that's coming up or, or newer helper on the farm, having a list so all those things get remembered and having that standardized procedure. That's a great tip. Uh, Greg Kruger here with Rosens. Greg, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Appreciate it. Talking about spray tank and sprayer clean out on today's program. We'll be right back.
It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... What the HPPD resistant weeds are coming? We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We were just talking off the air about how the uh, Weed Science Society of America has made some changes to a couple of the groups. They eliminated Group 8, for example, and combined it into Group 15. So anyway, we're going to have to talk about weed resistance a little more on another show today. We're focusing on spray tank cleanout. All right, uh, let's head out to North Carolina State University. We've got Wesley Everman with us right now. How you doing, Wesley? I'm doing good. Hope you guys are as well. 
We are, but we're spraying right now, so that always makes me just a little bit nervous that we aren't going to get that tank cleaned out perfect because I don't want to look bad, and I definitely don't want to hurt my crop. But when, when we mess something up, it always happens right up along the road. We've been talking about that on today's show. You never have any problems like that, though, do you, Wesley? Never. Everything I do is perfect 100% of the time. <laughs> oh, man. I wish that was the case for all of us. But you know, when it comes to cleaning out the sprayer, and I, and I know we talk spray tank clean out sometimes, and uh, Nick Flights was kind enough to point out, hey, it's not just the tank. It's that whole liquid system of the sprayer. It can be It can be a challenge to get everything out. Yes, it can. There's a lot of nooks and crannies, elbows, end caps, hose ends, junctions they all are important and all deserve a little bit of attention each time we're doing a complete tank clean out you know when we switch in one chemistry to another or from you know corn ground to bean ground vice versa all right when we think about some of the tougher ones to clean out a lot of times it's things that the build up like an atrazine or uh, things that stick to the side of the tank like valor but those are really popular herbicides so a lot of farmers have figured out how to work with them brian said his best tip might be just get after it quickly don't let it sit in the sun don't let it sit for a while where it might dry and and stick on even worse what are some of the other things that you see that can really help yeah, you know, I think that's good advice, you know, as soon as you're done spraying, cleaning it out, because leaving it in the tank leads to greater issues. We've seen that a number of times. Another good thing to do, you know, is make sure you're getting an appropriate cleaner. Now, triple rinse will be sufficient for most of our herbicides. Um, ammonia is going to do pretty well on most things, but there are specialized tank cleaners, you know, for, for example, for Valor, there's a special tank cleaner, you know, that Valent sells that, boy, that really takes that one out of the tank and helps solve a lot of issues. But there there are other tank cleaners on the market that are worth looking at to help us pull those chemicals out. Um, you know, but letting them sit is really going to create bigger issues, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. And as we're we're heading through, one of the things that that our, our last guest brought up is you gotta have a place to put this when you're rinsing things out. And normally you rinse out right at the end of the field, then you can just apply it right where you've been applying. Any other tips on on what to do and and how to handle that that rinse aid? Yeah, the, I mean that comes up a lot. Um, oftentimes, if if you have the ability to store it and utilize it somewhere else um, maybe if you're gonna you'll know, be coming back to that type of ground later and you can use that or if you know you have a dedicated um, I, I've, I've known folks that have kind of a dedicated area they clean up because once they have that rinsate there it's a diluted herbicide and maybe it's a maybe it's gonna be planted to something else later in the summer it's gonna be fallow you know you just really got to Keep those things in mind, but I agree with you. Generally, in the same field is going to be the best place. Yeah, there's a lot of tricks to, to getting tanks cleaned out. Like you mentioned, just rinsing three times sometimes is sufficient, but our last guest was saying, you know, I see guys rinsing once, they rinse again, and then they, they kind of say, man, I, I got to get going here. I got to get stuff to do. But <laughs> that, that third rinse, I mean, if you actually watch it uh, when you're rinsing something out anywhere, even in the sink, you'll you'll notice, man, there's a little bit left. There's a little bit left, and uh, you can get it if you just stay persistent. That's right. Yeah, and 
I, I will say I've known some folks that tested uh, our our expert advice on the three, and you can get away. You can probably get away if you're living right with two rinses in a corn bean situation, but I wouldn't recommend it, and especially if you're switching to anything else. Um, for us, we have a lot of specialty crops here. That can be an issue, and I know you know, a number of folks that thought, uh, two rinses has gotten me by in the past and with an auxin or with certain herbicides as we're trying to go after some of these resistant weeds, they don't have experience with it. They toss it in the tank and they thought my two rinses are good. Well, some some herbicides don't come out with just two. And so you're kind of rolling the dice there. Yeah, yeah, and it's always going to be the one that, that dings your crop. <laughs> that doesn't come That's right. out. <laughs> uh, Wesley Everman here with North Carolina State. I know you're a busy guy. Wesley, thank you so much for being on today. Good luck to you heading into the summer here. All right, thank you. You guys too. We've got Jim Reese with us right now with Precision Labs. And, Jim, uh, I, want to, I want to get right at it with you. I want to ask you, tank cleaners, what do they actually do? How do they actually work? So, great question. Uh, thanks for jumping in right away on that. Uh, so, really what they are designed to do, there's very few tank cleaners that can actually neutralize or certainly couldn't neutralize every chemistry under the sun, right? So, what they're really designed to do is elevate, they should elevate spray solution pH so that you can degrade those things that can be degraded, like sulfonylureas or a lot of sulfonylureas. Um, penetrate those residues that are left in the tank, solubilize those, get those into solution, and then help purge them out of the system, right? So they don't, you're just not moving them from the tank into the lines, just get them all the way out. So that's what they're designed to do. That usually means elevating spray solution pH or the rinse water pH pretty high, like in excess of 12, pH 12. You know, one of the things, our last guest mentioned ammonia, and I, I was going to ask you about this because when I've used ammonia, I can I, I see that it gets stuff off the side of the tank, but it seems like there's just a film, and when I empty the tank, it just goes right back onto the sides. It doesn't really get it out of there. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, uh, ammonia has been on label, labels forever, right? Uh, as, a, as the only, you know, at one time, probably the only tank cleaning technology we had, but even as far back as 1997, uh, American Cyanide identified ammonia as just not good enough. So there's no detergency to it. And quite truthfully, it doesn't elevate pH as high as a lot of the modern tank cleaners do. So I'd, I kind of argue that I'm not surprised you're dissatisfied with ammonia. It's just there's no detergency to it, and it's not that great um, at elevating pH and kind of stinks to sniff it too. <laughs> if you get a whiff of it, right? No, that's true. That's true. Well, there there are a lot of things that can be done. One other thing I wanted to ask you about is compatibility agents. We've been using one that, that comes from your company called Convert. And uh, man, we just have, it's been so much easier for us to clean the tank out. Is a, a lot of this uh, tank clean out issue, could we solve it up front by using something like Convert instead of having to, to work so hard after the fact? You know, you're, you're exactly right. Easy or, or good tank clean out actually starts with managing compatibility issues like you guys are doing. Um, when I heard hear comments about stuff sticking to the side of the tank and then trying to clean it out, it tells me you've got a compatibility problem that you really need to address. So starting there first, right? Um, so that you don't have those chunks and that buildup of stuff that just you know uh, piling up in your system, that's that's critical. And that makes tank cleaning um, an easier project, not 
super easy, but makes it much, much easier. Um, so preventing problems like that is key. And then I like what the last caller said about clean your tank right away. Um, it's not a rainy day project, right? So when you're done spraying, you probably ought to clean it right away. It's kind of like taking a shower, personal hygiene, right? Because you stopped working doesn't for a couple of days doesn't mean you're going to wait a couple more days to take a shower. No, that is true. That is true. And and getting well, after getting after these problems uh, like a, a sticky mess in the sprayer uh, right away is important. It's the challenge is it's just not the most fun job, but it sure is fun when you see nice clean fields and and that's the result. We're talking with Jim Reese here with Precision Labs. Jim, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. Sounds good. Thanks. Hit it from a couple couple different angles there. After the fact, when you've got a problem, you can use a tank cleaner, uh, triple rinse, those types of things. But beforehand, if you can just get your spray mix to be compatible and stay in solution, you can avoid a lot of the big headaches that you're going to have after you're done spraying. We'll talk more about sprayer cleanout after this. My mom's got a new case I extractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. Nothing gets a better view of your crops than your pivot. Plant Insights powered by Prospera transforms your center pivot into a crop health monitoring machine. Be one of two growers to get Plant Insights on your farm with a free one-year subscription. Enter to win at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you can see everything your pivot does all season long, from emergence to pests, weeds, and disease. Enter today at agtechonthefarm.com. With Plant Insights, you'll walk away a winner. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
Learn on the job with the CNB Apprenticeship Program. Through in-person training and on-the-job experience, this unique opportunity gives you the chance to learn advanced ag diesel technology without the traditional technical school format or expense. Learn more at cbequipment.com careers. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Martin studio, taking your questions by email, radio at agphd.com, or by phone, 844-44-AG-PHD. And our topic, sprayer cleanout. And I, I think our first guest pointed out, hey, it's not just the spray tank. It's everything that goes into that liquid system, uh, whatever you're going to use to be filling your sprayer to the spray boom and everything in between. So lots of different spots you've got to clean out and you got to be fussy if you're going to do a great job. So we talked about just a few tips to do it. Brian, here's another one that we get a question on a lot. What about letting things soak overnight? Now I know I've talked to a lot of folks who have left the sprayer sit in the sun in the summer for a few days yeah. and they took off for the weekend or something. They came back and on Monday it's like, oh well, no, yeah. it's stuck on there. Yeah, I know. But let's turn this around because we've talked about that topic quite a bit. It's how about letting a tank cleaner sit in there overnight? That's one of the things I've suggested to people for almost 20 years now. So that would be a good idea because otherwise you run into this risk of, hey, I've cleaned the tank out, but did I really get everything out of the pores? Now, you're in a different spot if you have a stainless steel tank. And this is one of the reasons some guys go to stainless steel, so they don't have all those worries. But, yeah, that's uh, that that's definitely something a person should consider. Tank cleaner, let it sit in that sprayer overnight if you're that worried about it. Yeah, and, and I thought this was interesting, too, what Jim Reese from Precision Labs had brought up. If you're having issues with things sticking on the side of the tank, a lot of times it's a compatibility issue with whatever you're mixing in the first place. And I think as you're mixing things up in the spray tank to go out and spray, just doing a good job to mix that product well and make sure you're working with a combination that does mix. We talk about doing jar tests and these kinds of things. It's not just can I get it to run through the spray nozzles? It's, am I going to have a mess in my tank after I'm done spraying this too? Yeah. So I guess in summary here with this whole tank clean out thing, we want to try to keep everything in suspension. If you're having mixing issues, stuff sticking to the side of the tank, that's a problem. You might want a compatibility agent, try to clean the tank out right away after you get done spraying and don't forget about the boom the spray nozzles the ends of the boom things like that and then again there are different tank cleaners that you could use depending on the product that you are applying so you can just talk to your agronomist about that as well but anyway it's a it's an important thing and that's why we wanted to spend some time on it today but right now let's get back to the ag phd mailbag all right first question here comes from johan up in Alberta, looking for an app to track fields, crop inputs, and so forth, and also make notes while scouting for some clients that we're working with. Johan, what I would suggest is start with some of the free services, things like Climate 
or even John Deere Ops Center is free, and you can do a lot of those types of things on there, and then you build from there. If you need more applications than what you can get, you can branch out. But if you're just getting started with it, I'd pick the free ones first and see if they can, can meet your needs. This one comes in from, uh, from KB. I want to ask you guys about tiling. We're down in West Texas, and it's pretty arid here, but we may need to do some tiling. Can you run tile water into a reservoir and then utilize that water for sure. whatever purposes you want afterwards? Sure. Yep. No reason why you couldn't. Yeah, that's that's something we do see people irrigate out of those reservoirs. We do see yeah, it's uh, just the holes got to be livestock pre- that yeah, kind of thing. The holes got to be pretty big. So you start running the math on okay, I've got a quarter section, I got 160 acres, and I want just one inch of water for all that. Well, an acre inch of water is 27,000 gallons. So multiply that times 160, the number gets pretty staggering real quickly. Meaning you you need a good size hole if you're going to hold a whole bunch of water. That was one of the things that our dad suggested to us. He's like, well, you guys are pumping this water away. And I mean, why don't you just dig a hole and then you can use it later in the year over the top when you actually need it. And I said, that's a great idea. Here's how big the hole would have to be. (laughs) And he goes, oh, whoa, okay. Now, yeah, I don't, I don't want to spend that kind of money digging that hole. Yep, it takes takes a lot of volume, but you know it would be really nice for we see a lot of folks draining to a livestock dam, those types of things, and and maybe there's a overflow coming out of the livestock dam because it's just not that big. It's not gonna like you say to your point, an inch of rain, twenty seven thousand gallons, it's not gonna take that much. But think about it in West Texas, Brian. It gets awfully dry out there. They don't normally get the massive rains, so it, it certainly is something to, to think about and look into. And you know what? You could always dig a hole and you say, this is as big as I'm willing to go, and then you just have an overflow and let any excess run away. All right. Uh, I had a question that came in from central Wisconsin, and this one is from Mike, who says, guys, I started a grazing operation uh, just a few years ago, and I'm listening to your show, and you guys keep talking about gibberellic acid and how you can get grass to get a faster start and potentially keep it growing longer in the fall. I really want to try Rise Up Smart Grass. Unfortunately, the agronomists around here just look at me funny when I talk about that. Why would I not want to use this product? Is there something they know that I don't? And nope. why why do some retailers not handle this if it's a common product from a big company like Valent? Oh, well, I just want you to think about this. With most ag retailers, their number one thing is grain. They have so many dollars invested in grain and buying and selling. They got to spend a lot of time and effort on that. Their second focus close behind that is fertilizer. They have a lot of dollars in that. Then they get to seed, and seed now is a big priority, and agronomists are trained on that. They're doing all this stuff. Then they get to herbicide, and you see where I'm, I hope you see where I'm going with all this. A lot of people just have so many things to think about that they're like, yep, something new. Nah, we, we don't need that. It's fine, whatever. We haven't been using that. So we just, this is why we say all the time here on the show, you got to learn some of these things, try them out yourself on your farm, just because nobody in your area is, is currently not doing it. That doesn't mean that it wouldn't work great because it will. 
All right. Thanks for the question. And yeah, good luck to you. That's, that's awesome. And here's the other thing too. It sounds like you don't have a huge amount of pasture acres. Uh, when you get something like rise up smart grass, it is something that again, could be applied in the fall. So you would have to do it a couple different times during the growing season early on for, for spring to get faster growth. But then in the fall, you could use it to keep the grass growing longer. So it would be two applications. So even if you didn't use a whole container up in the spring, you could you could use the rest up in the fall. This one comes in from Brendan. He said, guys, I'm planning on doing the three pre's on a field that I've got, planting Treflan, Metribuzin, and Authority. But I'm also having trouble with wild oats out there. Do you think that Treflan will be good enough on the wild oats? Or should I add something else in like Avidex. I plan on putting some Roundup out there also if there's anything emerged and then post-emerge using Roundup and also Dicamba. Yeah, Trifluralin is lights out on wild oats, so I won't worry about that. Avidex, as far as I know, is not labeled for soybeans. That's the same thing as old Fargo. It's labeled for a lot of st- small grains and a few, a few specialty crops, but not for soybeans that I know of. And even if it was, is that going to be some amazing help beyond trifluralin? No way. Trifluralin is about as good as you can possibly get. And here's the other good news. Early post-emerge, if you go, you know what, my trifluralin only killed 95% of the wild oats. I still have some left and I, I want to get them under control. Easy. You just go spray any of the grass herbicides, uh, clethodem, or I, I mean, almost anything is going to knock that out. So no problem, nothing to get too worried about, and no, you do not need or should you use Avidex and soybeans. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, get get one here, and I think we'll we'll uh, open it up to you, Brian, now, and then we can finish it up after this break. This comes from Randy up in North Dakota. He said, "All right, guys, you talk about." pigweed all the time, even kosher quite a bit, but you don't talk about wild buckwheat. I'm in a corn, soybean, wheat rotation, and I've got wild buckwheat issues in certain fields. Just curious if you see pre-emerge herbicides that could take it out, or if I'm going to have to fight it post-emerge, which can be challenging (laughs) with the timing. Also, in a corn and soybean and wheat rotation, is there a certain crop that I could just wipe it out so I don't have to deal with it in the next crops? Yeah, so wild buckwheat was our number one weed problem on our farm about, I'm going to say, three between three and five years ago. So it all of a sudden kind of popped up. So then we had to change things just a little bit. So we'll tell you what we did and what you can do right after this. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. 
the right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio just talking about spray tank cleanout today. But right before the break, we had this question come in about wild buckwheat up in North Dakota, three crop rotation, corn, soybeans, wheat. So, yes, this can be a problem with some of the, let's call it normal herbicides that get used out there. Plus, Roundup is not the best and the HPPD family is not the best. So here is what we would suggest you do and then you will eliminate your issues. Uh, in corn, you're going to start with Sharpen. So you can buy the premix of Verdict, that's Outlook and Sharpen, but start with Sharpen. Make sure you get a 2-ounce rate of Sharpen, or that'd be 10 ounces of Verdict. Then follow with Status. Just don't use an HPPD. Status is going to eliminate every single buckwheat you have in your field. So that's that problem is completely 100% solved in corn. That is the best crop to raise if you want to eliminate this problem. Now, in wheat, um, sharpen, again, pre-emerge. You follow up with anything containing buckteral. I don't care what it is. There are several different mixes that contain buckteral, but when you think buckteral, think buckwheat. Buckteral, buckwheat. Okay, so that'll take care of it in wheat. Problem 100% solved in wheat. In soybeans, we are always going to tell you to use the three pre's, but throw in about $3 worth of pursuit, like a half rate of pursuit, good enough. That'll take out 95% of the buckwheat. And then post-emerge, Dicamba, Enlist One, Liberty. I, I mean, unfortunately, there's nothing that's, I, I would say, amazing in conventional soybeans, but you don't need there to be if you get that pursuit out there. And pursuit could be used post-emerge too. I just, I mean, if you want to go that way, you can. I just like using a real low rate pre and then follow with dicamba or enlist one if I'm in those traded crops. So that's my suggest. Those are my suggestions for controlling wild buckwheat. 
All right, let's get to the phone lines here. We got Al on with us right now to talk a little more about spray tank cleanout. How you doing, Al? I'm doing good. Yeah, uh, it's a good topic today for me, and I, I don't have all the information for you, but I want you to check out Sprayer 101 up in Canada. And the fellows up there have latched onto an idea. What I it's a good idea. It's called continuous rinse. Just imagine I got my sprayer, and I just I just finished up the tank sucked dry, and I just about lost prime. But now I got another uh, rinse dedicated rinse pump. I'm going to take my rinse water out of the rinse tank, and I'm going to add it to my spray into the tanks, and I'm going to spray it right out to the field as I finish up that tank. And it's uh, very intriguing. A lot of European sprayers already have this. So as you're finishing up, just about ready to suck dry, you just hit that, and it'll it'll almost triple rinse it within about 50 gallons of water. So um, I don't have all the answers, but maybe them fellows maybe has a, have a guest on someday to uh, follow up on this. Hey, that's a great tip. Thanks, Al. Yeah, that's it's uh, makes a lot of sense, and also deals with one of the questions of man, if I wait and rinse it out later, what am I going to do with the rinse water? If you rinse it yeah, out as you're going, I mean, it's kind of nice to get that job done. Rinse. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I've I've done some research. I haven't quite put it on my sprayer yet, but it's it's very doable. But you have a dedicated rinse pump, and and you're going to still using your solution pump, but you're kind of gauging it sort of like a washing machine. You rinse it out, and it's going out at the same time you're spraying. Excellent, excellent. Well, how are, hey, how are yeah, you coming yeah, along, yeah. Al? How's how's uh, the spring well, treating you on your we're, farm? We're down here in northeast Iowa, hoping by tomorrow we'll finish up with corn. Then we'll we'll, uh, we'll continue on with beans. So, uh, you know, doing all right, but we could use a shot of rain. Yeah, I think it's coming. I think that rain's coming. I think we've got a shot uh, or a chance. I think about every day for the yep. next week. So I'm I'm betting that's going to get there by day after us. Yep. 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 So awesome. Well, thanks for the call, Al. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Good luck to you as you finish up planting. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Had a question come in along with a picture here. This one is from Michael or Mike, and he said, "I've got this yellow flowering weed in my pasture fields. Would like to know what it is and what I could spray to get rid of it without hurting cattle. I've got about 90 acres near the Ohio River. I raise Black Angus beef cattle, and uh, I've got it in the pasture. I don't have it out in the hay fields, though. Okay, well, it looks like a buttercup species to me, Mike. I, I was." hoping it wasn't cursed crowfoot, which is in that buttercup family. But just looking up the buttercups, they can cause mouth sores and throat blisters because they have a toxin called protoanemonin in there. So there's a toxin in there that's bad. So you've got a good reason for wanting those out of there. It's not just, oh, they make my pasture look bad. Uh, no, they're, they're really hard on cattle. So something you may consider, there's a newer product called DuraCore that's got Milestone in it, but it also has that new RinseCore Active. That one works pretty well, and they'll say their, their rate range is usually in the 12 to 20 ounce area, but if you've got quite a bit of this and it's been out there for a while, I'd probably end up going up towards that full rate, that 20 ounce rate of DuraCore, but you can certainly can 
consult on the label and just see if that's the right thing in your particular area. Brian, do you have any concerns about that? He says he's near the Ohio River. Do you worry about Milestone as much as you'd worry about something like Tordon? No, definitely not. But nevertheless, we want to keep pesticides out of our rivers and streams. So just be a little bit careful about that. But yeah, I mean, Tordon is lethal to almost all fish, whereas we don't have quite those kinds of issues or concerns when we're talking about milestone. But again, we we want to keep all pesticides out of the water. All right, got this question from Jake. He's out in eastern Colorado, and he said, unfortunately, we've got some failed wheat. In fact, it just got released from insurance. They estimated it at 2.3 bushels per acre. Mm, Uh, Sorry to hear that, Jake. That's... That's no fun. Uh, He said, well, the field is new to our farm, and it's got a bindweed issue. And we used wide match, and we used MSM, or uh, metsulfuron methyl. Ally, basically, would be the name brand. Yeah, you used it last June in fallow. So I'm wondering if we put millet out there, probably golden German millet, uh, what can we use ahead of that millet crop to stop bindweed. I'm thinking I will need to plant a cover to protect the soil this summer. Uh, Darren, give me the four. We were talking uh, uh, just before or during the break about there are four products labeled for millet. And Oh, go ahead. Well, it's peak. (laughs) Right, which you don't want to use. Tremendous residual. Yeah, 2,4-D amine. Yep. Uh, Let's see, where did I have that? Clarity. And yeah, aim. so dicamba and aim, right? Exactly. So aim, no residual, but nice right. burn down. And these are the these are the exact products that we would normally think of when you talk millet, other than peak. I mean, we never talk about peak because it lasts for years a lot of times. So it's two four D dicamba, and then yeah, you got this burn down product with no residual aim. But let's face it, two four D and dicamba don't have a whole lot of residual either. So his question was field bindweed. Are 2,4-D or dicamba amazing on a perennial weed field bindweed? No. You just have to hit them and hope for the best. So the other thing that we always are going to encourage you to do, whether it's millet or any crop, is to try to get the best crop canopy possible. So in other words, have good good drainage, good fertility, uh, I mean good disease control, insect control, all the other stuff, and kill all the other weeds too besides this buckwheat. And then hopefully that millet is strong enough to choke things out because, yeah, you're going to burn it back with 2,4-D or dicamba, but that's about it. So you just, I, I mean, I wish there were, there were other options. Oh, my other concern is with that, uh, I don't remember what the generic name you said was, but anyway, it's the active ingredient from Ally. Um, the rotational restriction to millet in your state, 10 months. So, in other words, you're not even labeled to go out and seed millet anytime soon here. All right. Thanks for the question, Jake. Uh, I got this one from Sam up in North Dakota. He said, guys, I just got my soybeans delivered from my seed dealer, and they are 80% germ. I'm used to planting 90% germination soybeans or more. So looking on the information sheet for this bean, it says it's a medium bush. So I'm wondering, do I need to adjust population or will they just fill in? I'm normally planting around 140,000 seeds per acre. Yeah, so this year is the worst. Let's put it this way. Both Darren and I have been around the seed industry and been agronomists our whole lives. 
We've never seen anything like this for corn, for soybeans. There are so many bad germs that are popping up late in the season here. And I'll bet you if you didn't get a late test, like an April, May kind of test here, or let's call it late March, um, you may have just planted some seed that the germination isn't perfect. So yeah, those things happen. I'm not that worried about it with soybeans. Can you bump the population a little bit? Yes. And a lot of times the seed dealer will give you a little uh, break so you can afford to bump the population and things will be fine. The other thing is the abnormals that are in there. A lot of times they will come eventually. They're just slow. Hey, thanks for the question, Sam. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.